for the highlight of civilization. I call it Coffee with Scott Adams because, well, there'll be some of that. And if you'd like today's experience to be something you will never forget, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. And it happens now. Go. Mmm, yeah. Savor it. Savor it. All right, well, I saw on uh, Twitter today, so it must be true, that close to 80 million Americans are on psychiatric drugs. (laughs) Does that sound right? Audio's looking good. Thanks, Paul. Um, does Does that even sound possible? 80 million people? Now, 80 million is the number that voted for Trump, right? (laughs) Hey, funny is funny. It doesn't matter who I'm making fun of. Funny is funny. I think it's funny that there are 80 million people on psychiatric drugs, and that's the same number of people who supported Trump. I don't know. I just think that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the same people, but it's funny. Um, except, is there any doubt who owns us? I don't think there's any doubt who owns us at this point. The, the pharma companies just own us. The, they can make you take anything they want. <laughs> Try saying this to your doctor the next time you get a prescription. Is there any data that proves that this will help me? Because I don't believe any scientific data about drugs anymore. <laughs> of course, if you take my advice, you'll all die from bad medical advice from a cartoonist. Don't take my medical advice. Also, don't take my financial advice. So the two things you should seriously ignore me about, finances and health, at least medical, you know, medical stuff. But I'll still talk about it. Just know that, uh... oh, 81 is for Biden? But, but weren't there also 80 million for Trump? Oh, 74 million for Trump. Oh, well, that's, that's way funnier then. Thank you for that correction. All right, well, it looks like we have a cleaner joke now. Cleaner in terms of it fits together better. So it's funnier if it's the Democrats. That actually is funnier. And not because, you know, just taking sides, but it does seem funnier. Because <laughs> I think the Democrats are far more likely to be on psychiatric drugs. Can somebody give me a fact check on that? I'm, I'm going to assume that this is true, that Democrats are on more psychiatric drugs. Do you have any doubt about that? I'm not, and I'm not saying that there aren't plenty of crazy people on the right. There are crazy people everywhere. But I feel like there's probably a significant difference. Should be. I mean, everything I know about everything suggests there would be. But we'll see. Anyway, so don't take my financial advice, but uh, it's hard to imagine a better time to own American stocks. But don't take my financial advice, seriously. I'm not good at calling bottoms or anything. 
But I would definitely not want to be out of the stock market because where are you going to put your money? <laughs> Crypto? <laughs> Real estate? I don't know. It feels like there's no place else to put it. And the stock market, in theory, should handle some of your inflation, right? Because those companies need to rise, raise their prices, gets baked into their earnings. So in theory, if you own stocks, they will adjust for inflation on their own. Market forces, you should be okay. It's not that I think uh, stocks will go up. Let me be clear about this. It's not that I think there's going to be some big run on stocks. There might be. There's a pretty good, pretty good chance there will be, actually, in the next two years because of the election upcoming, etc. But um, I just think it's a safe place to be, American stocks. Ask Warren Buffett, you would say the same thing. Uh, somebody said that Carrie Lake visited Mar-a-Lago. Do I have a confirmation on that? It, it, has somebody seen that in the actual news? Because that would just be awesome. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah it doesn't mean anything necessarily, <clears throat> but it's hard to imagine it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so at the very least, he's prob- Trump is probably asking her to have some role. You know, maybe on his campaign. Imagine her running his campaign. That would be interesting. And then picking her as vice president later or something. Very interesting. All right. Uh, let's talk about Twitter. So, you know, Elon Musk sent out the email that says he wants only the hardcore, you know, work late hours kind of people to stay. And he invited everybody else to quit. Well, it turns out there weren't, as a percentage, there weren't that many people who wanted to work hard (laughs) who already worked at Twitter. I guess they'd been accustomed to not working hard, and it sounded pretty scary to them. Uh, Now, so I guess there were mass resignations. One estimate is that Twitter would go from 7,500 employees down to 1,000, you know, that he might be at 1,000 employees, and that they're going to have trouble keeping the lights on. What's, What's your experience so far? So far, my experience is that Twitter is better. Does anybody have a different experience? To me, it's just better. It's already better. Right. It's substantially better already. And it hasn't gone down. I haven't seen an error. Do you know how many people run uh, WhatsApp? <clears throat> you know, gigantic, multi-billion dollar thing. Uh, I saw a report there were 55 of them. You know, one, one of my friends here locally used to be the, the WhatsApp guy who made sure that the servers were balanced. I think that's what he did. He balanced the server loads. And he was just my neighbor. He's a billionaire now. <laughs> it, it really pays to be one of 55 people running a company that's going to go public. But how many people do you think it takes to run Twitter? If you've got payroll which could be an external company, right? So it's probably an external company. So you've got a little HR to process the people coming and going. And then you've got, I don't know, 100 engineers. Would it take more than 100 engineers to keep Twitter running? I can't believe that more than 100 are doing anything important. 100 engineers is like a lot of engineers. 
So how many of them are you know doing load balancing, and how many of them? Because I would think a lot of them are doing you know ESG related things and diversity and making sure the employee experience is good and you know marketing and sales and you know uh, mostly stuff that must kind of doesn't need at the moment. You know things you might want a little bit later, not too much later. But probably at the moment, he just wants engineers <laughs> and, and HR to make sure they get paid. That's about it. I think he's fine. So he had an exchange with AOC, which is always fun. Uh, AOC tweeted, uh, let's see, she said, Shout out to all the workers at Twitter. You all built a vital place for connection and deserved so much better. Millions of people appreciate the space you built and the hard work that went into it, thank you. Elon Musk replies to AOC, you're welcome. (laughs) His tweeting is so good. He's so on point. Um, Here's something that apparently has changed, uh, and the leftist doesn't like it at all. Apparently Twitter is fact-checking Democrats, (laughs) which apparently was not even a thing. I mean, I... I can't confirm it wasn't a thing before, but anecdotally, people are reporting it wasn't happening. And now it's happening. So when I say fact-checking, I mean that uh, context is being added to both Democrat and Republican claims that you know, need some context. So now it's happening. And apparently the left doesn't like it at all, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. Um, some... Twitter pranksters, probably ex-employees, um, put a laser sign thing that points at the uh, Twitter headquarters and it sprays a, a message on the headquarters that is a scrolling message. And it's a, a basically a bunch of insults to Elon Musk. So how, how did that work out? Uh, did that work out for the employees? They They made a big deal about showing a light show on the Twitter headquarters that insulted Elon Musk. Well, it became viral, right? Because it's a good visual, so it's it's all over it's all over the internet, right? It's just free PR. Basically, Elon Musk uh, managed to turn his fired employees into his marketing department. That that's actually happening. That's like a real thing. And, and Musk uh, pointed out that all the attention he's getting has um, put uh, Twitter usage at an all-time high. <laughs> so Twitter has never been healthier in terms of users. If you've never been healthier in terms of users, do you think you can monetize that? Usually. Usually. The, the thing you have to worry about is do people want to use it, and is it growing? And the answer is people want to use it, and it's growing. If you get that part right, plus you have the you know, most hardcore engineers this day, you probably have a good shot. You know, I wouldn't put odd, whatever the odds are on it, but he, he's in seriously, I have a good shot territory at this point. And if he has these new features, you know, like payment stuff, I think he can make it work. I do. Now, I saw a thread that a lot of people were sending to me. They thought it was deep and insightful. And the point of it was... Uh, that that Musk is doing this high-end business strategy whereby forcing people to out themselves as either 
people willing to work extra hard or quit. Uh, all the crappy employees are going to quit, and only the people who were valuable in the first place would be willing to stay because they still have a job and they like their job and all the useless people are out of the way. It might actually be easier for the... Imagine the engineers doing their job without anybody giving them any trouble. <laughs> you know, there's no... There's no corporate bullshit. There's just nobody to give them trouble. They just have to do the right job. I don't know. They might get a better better outcome. Possible. But, yeah, so far, Twitter has free marketing by its fired employees, has far lower payroll costs by, I don't know, they've lowered payroll by 80% or something, or they will after they do the payouts. Um, Fact-checking for both sides. Traffic at an all-time high. And what, and what are the Twitter, Twitter critics reporting? That Twitter's in trouble. <laughs> it's going to go down. Literally, everything about Twitter is trending positive right now. You get that, right? They got rid of the bad employees, the ones who are you know, not happy enough to stay. That's not going to hurt them. Most traffic they've ever had First time they have a, a plan toward profitability, right? They're building in certain features, etc. cetera. Uh, they've, they've made it unbiased in terms of the fact-checking. Am I wrong that everything is trending positive at Twitter? It's just people who don't understand business maybe think the opposite. All right. Um, let's see. So Jack Dorsey had an interesting cryptic tweet uh, two days ago. And this was his entire tweet, and there's no context, right? So this is not referring to anything specific. He might be thinking something specific, but it's not in the tweet. This is the entire tweet from Jack Dorsey. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. (laughs) Now, imagine being Jack Dorsey this week. Right, what are the following? What are the things that Jack Dorsey knows that we don't know because we're just the ignorant public? Jack Dorsey knows what's really happening at Twitter. Do you? No, of course not. <laughs> of course you don't. Do you think he has a better idea of what's happening? Of course he does. From the people quitting, and plus his prior insight, plus he's talked to Musk recently. I think they appeared together on some event or something. So. So Jack Dorsey's idea of whatever is happening at Twitter, probably he's the only one who has it. There might be nobody else in the world, including Elon Musk, who knows what exactly what Jack Dorsey knows to be true. So when you when look at all the stories about Twitter, and he says nobody knows anything, that's probably a pretty accurate statement. Now, what's the other thing that Jack Dorsey is currently famous for? Crypto. Right? He's one of the people you would say, well, okay, that's one of the people who really understands crypto at a level that the average investor doesn't because he's, you know, he's, he's uh, creating business in that space. So he's also looking at the FTX thing and probably saying, everybody talking about this doesn't know what they're talking about, which is probably true. Does that sound like nobody knows anything? It does. <laughs> It sounds exactly like nobody knows anything. How about uh, how about our medical science? 
Today there's another study showing that uh, vitamin D uh, w- would have been really good for people who had COVID. But I looked at the study and I said to myself, nope. <laughs> it is one more study that could be true. I'm not saying vitamin D does or does not work. I'm just saying that I read the study. I'm like, no, it's a retrospective study. They talk about meta studies like they're real. Like, I don't even know much about analyzing studies. And, and just on the surface, it looked like bullshit to me. I don't know. So, and, and also, I couldn't even determine if the, from reading it, because they, you know, they make it as densely complicated as possible to make it all sciencey. Um, I couldn't even tell if they were talking about the special kind of vitamin D that only the hospital gives you. Like, you know, the, uh, it's probably a drip. Uh, could, it be, could it be an injection? I don't know. But you, you can't buy the hospital shit over the counter. Am I wrong about that? I couldn't even tell if they were saying you should take vitamin D pills at home. It wasn't clear to me at all. So it's another study that might be true, but how would I know? I have no way to know if that's useful at all. So would you say that in the case of COVID, <clears throat> nobody knows anything? <laughs> it's such a big statement, nobody knows anything. But because it even goes beyond you know, the fake news and the fact that you doing your own research doesn't really help you, it goes beyond that. You know, I don't know for sure, but Jack might be all the way to uh, reality is subjective. We just we're living in our own real little realities and we're happy with it. Nobody knows anything. We just know we're in our little bubble of of reality. All right. Um, oh, I think I was talking about Oliver Campbell had that thread saying that Musk was you know intentionally putting pressure on the weak people to leave and the strong people would stay. But you all knew that, right? Wasn't that sort of obvious? Because I thought that was explicitly what he was doing, putting pressure on the weak people to leave. Oh, that looked, it looked obvious to me, but I guess some people thought that was a deep insight. <clears throat> all right. Um, Hunter Biden's going to get investigated if the Republicans have it their way, and it looks like they will. What do you think is going to come out of this Hunter Biden thing? Is this going to be like the Trump investigations? See, here's what I wonder. How many times have you watched Trump be investigated, and there's all this smoke, and then there's nothing there? Right? We just saw it recently again with the, the Mar-a-Lago documents, those dangerous you know, uh, nuclear secrets that turned out just to be mementos and nothing important. So every time Trump gets, you know, the risk of investigation, it turns into nothing. What do you think of the odds that the Biden laptop, 10% for the big guy, what are the odds that they'll turn into nothing? It's not zero. It is not zero. It's not zero. It's definitely not zero. Here's what it could look like if it turns into nothing. Joe Biden said, I have nothing to do with the business. Is that correct? In order to prove him wrong, they would need to do more than show that he took meetings. Because taking meetings is what 
he does, right, taking meetings. He could easily argue, yeah, I took a meeting with these people, but I also took a meeting with a 1,000 people that year, and I'm not in business with the other 1,000, right? (laughs) Watch how easily I can defend Joe Biden. It's going to bother you how easy this is. Yes, I took those meetings. I absolutely took those meetings. I took thousands of meetings, and I wasn't working with any of them. People can talk to me. I'm a public figure. When my son says, do you want to take a meeting, I took a meeting. That's it. Yeah, Don Jr. took a meeting, right? Didn't Don Jr. take a meeting with the, those, um, the Russians? Does that mean that Don Jr. is working with Russians? No, it means he took a meeting. People take meetings. So I think Biden can completely avoid any legal problems. There's no legal problem with taking a meeting, is it? Now, what about, okay, follow the money, follow the money. We have evidence that um, Hunter Biden was going to give money to the big guy, which we believe was Biden. Let's say, and I think it's reasonable to assume, that we confirm that the big guy is actually Joe Biden. This is going to piss you off. You ready for this? Here's what you can't confirm. That Biden knew he was going to get the money. Sorry. (laughs) If the only thing you know is that Hunter wanted to give his father money, that doesn't mean that the father knew about it, approved it, or even knew where it was coming from. He may have been just a potential future recipient. Right? Now, you can all say bull, because that's not my argument. My argument is not what's true. Are you ready? I'm not saying what's true. I'm saying what's an easy defense. And the easy defense is a hunter knew everything. The father might have been a recipient of some money, but he didn't necessarily have any involvement in the business. So you might have this weird situation where it's clear that, or at least you think it's clear that sketchy things happened, but there's no document that shows that Joe Biden was aware of it. So you might find that Joe Biden lied or exaggerated when he said he had no involvement whatsoever. There might be a little involvement. But if you can't find like a plausible record that says Joe Biden knew what he was doing, and he knew that this would benefit him financially, I don't think there's anything illegal. Is there any evidence that Biden actually got his 10%? I've never heard of that, have you? Have you ever heard that the money actually reached Joe Biden? Don't call me naive, motherfucker. Are you even listening? (laughs) If you're calling me naive, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You'd be on the wrong topic. I'm not saying what's true. If I were saying what's true, I'd be naive. I'm telling you what facts are in evidence and what can they prove. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, I hate it when I do these things and somebody says I'm naive. It's the most fucked up thing you can say, really. It's the most fucked up thing you can say. It honestly is. It's just fucked up. Right? If you, have a, if you have something to say, like, were you aware of this, then please do it. You know, were you aware that blah, blah? Yes, I'd love to know that. But just, just calling me naive, fuck you. 
<laughs> and I, I know you're a subscriber, but really, I, I'm not, I, I have no tolerance for that. Zero. Especially from a subscriber, right? Why are you even here? All right, I'm done with that. Um, did you read The Laptop from Hell? Not all of it. I've seen lots of excerpts. But is there anything on the laptop from hell that confirms Biden actively was involved? We assume he was, right? We're, we're, we're not naive, so we assume that sketchy things happen everywhere. But it's what can you prove? And I don't know that the laptop proves that Joe Biden knew anything, knew anything illegal. Yeah. So... <laughs> We'll see. I, I've got a feeling it's going to uh, end up like the Trump investigations. And what that means is other people will get in trouble, but not Joe Biden. Right? In the, in the same way Manafort ended up in jail, and he wasn't the target, Hunter might, might end up in trouble, or somebody associated with Hunter might, but I'll bet Biden doesn't. You know, I'll bet Joe Biden doesn't. But the investigations are going to be fun. All right. Um, I saw, saw some social media still questioning why uh, allegedly Paul Pelosi opened the door himself for the police. And I have no questions about that at all. To me, the whole story is entirely clear. And I don't know why it's even confusing. But let me explain why Paul Pelosi opened the door himself. Now, can you confirm that this is true? Paul Pelosi was holding the hammer when, when he opened the door, right? Is that true? That, that's the reporting, right? So the guy grabbed the hammer away from Pelosi and then hit him with it. So people are saying, hey, was Paul Pelosi really gay because <clears throat> he opened the door and it looked like you know, it might have been something consensual? No. <laughs> no, let me tell you exactly what happened. Paul Pelosi encountered a crazy guy, and none of the, neither of them were armed at first, right? Neither of them were armed. And Paul Pelosi realized that the guy was you know, dangerous, but not, not being physically dangerous yet. So at some point, Paul Pelosi managed to call 911 from some phone, and he managed to get a hold of a hammer, Right? So now the, the crazy guy doesn't necessarily know that the police are coming. He thinks he's having a conversation, and Paul Pelosi is smart enough to keep the crazy guy talking, you know, as if you know, maybe there's a conversation going, because to keep him from being triggered. But by now, Pelosi has the hammer, so who's in charge? At the, at the moment Pelosi opened the door, who had control of the situation? Paul Pelosi did. He had completely taken control, right? He called the police. They arrived on time. He was the only one with a weapon when they opened the door, right? Paul Pelosi handled this like a fucking champ. And it pisses me off that he's being, you know, accused of some kind of, like, bullshit, you know, having an affair with this guy or something. Clearly, clearly... He took control of the situation. What happened next is that because he was 82 and the police didn't do their job, let me say it again, the police clearly didn't do their job 
What was the first thing the police do when they open the door if they'd done their job? First thing. Take the fucking hammer away from somebody, right? Why are we not talking about the police failure to take the hammer from Pelosi the moment they saw it? <laughs> right? The first thing you do is take the hammer away. It's the first thing. Am I right? It doesn't matter which one of them was you know, the victim or the attacker. The first thing is take the weapon away. So there may be a reason that they couldn't get to it in time, right? Maybe the, maybe the bad guy jumped them too quickly. But my understanding was there was a little bit of a conversation once the police were inside. And they didn't take the hammer away first. So that part's a question, but it has nothing to do with Paul Pelosi at all. That's a, that's a question for the police. So everything about what I just told you is, is speculation, of course. But it also fits all the facts. And it's also the most ordinary explanation. Because what would I have done in that situation? If I were Paul Pelosi, I would have engaged him like I was talking to a friend. When the police came, I would have said, and when I called him, I would have said, my friend. Here's my friend. I would have used that word to keep him from going crazy. And then I would have gotten, I would have gotten a weapon if I could. I wouldn't have used it because the police are coming. I would just you know, have it with me in case I needed it. When the police come, of course I'd open the door. <laughs> what are you going to do? Because the guy's not crazy. You've got a hammer, so you open your door. What part of this story is confusing anybody? This is the most straightforward story I've ever heard in my life. There's, there's, no, there's no room for any confusion here. Paul Pelosi was a champ, I think. I think an 82-year-old guy handled a really tough situation in the best way he could, and the only, way, the only reason it went wrong, as far as I can tell, the only reason it went wrong is the police didn't do their job. They didn't take the, they didn't take the hammer from Pelosi, which put it in play. Am I wrong? And, and I'd like to also end um, you know, with my Pelosi screed here by saying that um, congratulations to Nancy Pelosi for a tremendous career on behalf of the people she was working for. Now, you may, you may disagree that she was a, a monster or whatever, but, you know, when, when somebody's had that illustrious and impactful career, on the last day of work, I think she was trying to do the, the country's business. You know, I, I don't, you know, we have our criticisms, but I believe that she's a patriot. You know, she may have done something you don't like as well, but I think she worked hard. She didn't need to. Look how hard she worked and didn't need to. I always appreciate that. I always appreciate hard work, especially, you know, into your 80s. Very impressive. So I'm, I'm only going to say uh, positive things about Nancy Pelosi because it's just a good time to do that, right? It's a... Uh, feel a little less divisive at the moment because she's, she's no longer relevant to the process. We don't need to climb on her today. So I just wish all the Pelosi's the best. Yeah, I'll keep it that way. Um, I guess the Biden administration uh, is agreeing that uh, the Saudi uh, crown prince cannot be uh, sued because he's immune because he's the head of state. Now, 
Do you remember when Biden promised us there would be consequences for the, the death of Khashoggi? And that's a lie. There were no consequences. Now, I would love to know if either Trump or Biden ever said anything true at any time during either of their campaigns. <laughs> I'd kind of like to see it like a side-by-side, because I don't believe any of it, I don't think either of them said anything true for two years. Right? I, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, they may, have, they may have honestly talked about problems, but I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, Trump is a serial exaggerator. Say what you will. You, you know what you're getting with him. But uh, Biden tries to act like he's a regular politician. It bothers me more when the regular politician lies. It doesn't bother me when the salesperson lies. If he tells you, I'm a salesperson and I'm going to use hyperbole, it works really well, but I'm, I'm using it on your behalf. Then I say, oh, you're using it on my behalf. Go ahead. You could argue the same with Biden, but because he's not you know, putting himself as a, as a salesperson, per se, it just looks different. A serial exaggerator, is that a compliment? No, no. Yeah, I, have I ever defended uh, Trump's uh, accuracy from the fact-checking? Have I ever done that? I don't think I've... I've never said that Trump tells you, you know, the truth every time he talks. That's, that's not something I've ever said. He's, the, the, thing I, the thing I like about Trump is that he's the most honest liar you'll ever meet. He's the most honest liar. Meaning, he tells you why he's doing it. Well, I'm doing it for this reason. And you go, oh. (laughs) He's very transparent. Um, Here is how Trump can win it all. Number one, you have noticed that he's been completely shut out by the mainstream press. The, the fact that uh, Trump announced and then everything went quiet, <laughs> it's just so telling. All right, wait for this idea. <clears throat> this idea is going to hit you like a slap in the face because you're going to like it so much. All right, Trump has two years, but I would say um, for the next few months, it's not like the regular campaign. You know, the, the final year will be the, the real campaigning. In the next year... Here's what Trump could do to guarantee he wins. You ready for this? Do every large black podcast he can do. Just do them all. Just start with the biggest one, whatever that is. <clears throat> whatever that one Kanye was on. The, the, the guy, is it in Chicago where they, they drink? They get drunk and do the interview? It's, it's a pretty good podcast. Drink champs. Drink champs. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Charlemagne the God, for sure. You should do Charlemagne God. And, and here's, here's why this would work. See, this is having a big impact on you, isn't it? If you knew that the only, only thing uh, Trump was doing to campaign for, let's say, six months was doing every black bo- podcast, and he took every question. He just took every question. Do you know what that would do for him? Because here's the part you don't know. 
what it's like to talk to him in person. I know that. Right? I've experienced that. When you talk to him in person, you like him. <laughs> Can you imagine him on any of those podcasts? Do you think he would get along with the interviewers? Absolutely. Absolutely. He would instantly connect with them. <clears throat> and, and they would feel it. And he would completely just mess with that entire market because they'd be like, I'm not sure what we're seeing here. You know, why, why are we seeing this guy that we've been told is this monster and he's just having a good chat and answering every question? Because there would be no questions out of bounds. Can you imagine you know, black America like really, really putting Trump's feet to the fire on a live stream? Like really, really going at him hard. Could he handle it? Easily. Easily. That's what he does, right? Could, could he... Now, let me ask you this. Imagine Trump armed with the 15 or 16, whatever it is, the hoax quiz that I created, all the hoaxes that are mostly about him. Imagine if we updated that so that the hoax quiz document had a link to you know, more detail you know, debunking each of the hoaxes. And it's a clickable link. So before, before Trump goes on any podcast, his team sends uh, that uh, list of hoaxes with the links, and then, then you say, if you'd like to ask us about any of these things, then you could also show the video of it being debunked. Now, for example, um, Steve Cortez did some videos debunking the fine people hoax. So just say, you know, no, that was a hoax. Just click this link if you'd like to show your viewers. Here's a video explaining how it was done. Uh, the, you know the drinking bleach hoax? The Wall Street Journal ran an article by the company that was doing the light as a disinfectant study. And they, they talked about, yeah, that's our study. We're doing that. It's in the Wall Street Journal. You don't have to wonder if Trump was talking about a real thing. So you can have a link that just shows that he mentions light before he talks about disinfectant. And then when he's done talking about it and the other people are done, he goes back to light. You know, yeah, light, maybe light can do this. So if you just put those two pieces of the video together with the actual study that was happening at the time and maybe even show my tweet, if you could find it. So I I was tweeting about that study and we know that Trump watches the prominent uh, tweets that agree with him anyway. And... Every one of those could be linked to just the debunk, because they're pretty easy to debunk. Uh, what about the one where Trump, uh, Trump made fun of the guy with a physical disability? Easy. Link to the, the video that shows he does that same impression with, you know, when he's talking about uh, Ted Cruz and some other people. That's it. It's as easy as, yeah, the koi carp thing. It's as easy as that. And... Imagine Trump having a no, no time limit conversation with you know, prominent black leaders with no restrictions. Ask me anything, but you know, here's, here are what these hoaxes are, and you can see for yourself. Check them out yourself. Now let me ask you this. Is black America primed to believe that everything the news said about Trump was a lie? How, 
How primed are they to believe that, that, that the news media lied to the entire black community for years? Super primed. <laughs> that, that might be the easiest thing to convince black America. You, you could go to black America and say, um, I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but this is the 4,000th time in a row you got screwed. Right? Are they going to say, no, we haven't been screwed 5,000 times in a row? That's never happened. No, they're going to say, okay, what is it? Well, everything about Trump was a lie. Here, here's the hoax list. And you know, we can prove it. You could, you, you could just click the link, see for yourself. Do you think that they would believe it? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't think there's any community who's more primed to believe that the, the people in charge lied to them. Am I right? Because it's a group who have been lied to consistently forever, basically. So why wouldn't they believe it? It's the easiest thing to believe. Now, now imagine also that Trump ignored all the other media, just for, let's say, six months, and did nothing but black podcasts. And then you have somebody in his staff uh, clip the parts of those podcasts that are interesting, and they, then they become viral. What is it in the old days that politicians did to try to win over the black vote? What, what was the old-timey thing? And I think he, Trump probably did this, too. What was the old-timey way? You'd go to the church, right? you go to a black church, maybe a couple of them, and you get some video of, oh, look, He's not afraid to go where black people are, are in large numbers, <laughs> right? Which I think is the whole game. You just need some video of this person with lots of black people smiling around them, and, and then you're done. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the going to black churches could be completely replaced by black podcasts. And do you think the black community would love to have the most viral content you could ever have exclusively to them for six months. Am I wrong? Uh, Imagine Trump just saying, six months, uh, I will appear only on black media, and you can ask me anything. And here's another thing Trump could say. If I can't convince you, I don't deserve to win. If, If I can't make inroads in the black community... If I can't make my case to the black community in the next six months, I probably don't deserve to win. So let's, let's just go right at it. Right? If I lose the black vote, I'm not president, and I don't want to be. I don't even want to be president if I can't get the black vote. So I'm, I'm going to go hard at the black vote, harder than anybody's ever gone before. I'm going to listen to everything they say. I'm going to argue with what I don't like. I'm going to agree with what I like. And then we'll, let's just go right at it. Because I think the, the thing that Trump has done before is try to you know, skirt around the edges of things. Yeah. He already has. No, he hasn't done what I said. Come on. He already has. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> he may have appeared you know, with some black interviewers, but nothing like what I'm talking about. I'm talking about literally just saying nobody but you know, six months... I'm available to the black community. Have at it. 
Um, now you're saying, what about the Latino community and women? Well, you can do those next. But the trouble is, nobody's, it's really hard to argue with somebody who just went full in and just said, six months, black podcasters, all you want, and, and full access. I'll do anything you want. And after that, we'll, you know, we'll open it up. That would be hard to avoid, uh, hard to ignore, wouldn't it? All right. Uh, Adam Silbar, I told you, Trump claims his hair is real. I know it's not because his toupee is the one I sold him. That's not true. <laughs> no. Nobody would wear that toupee. <laughs> I don't think so. Van Jones, Whoopi Goldberg, yes, yes. Um, Trump should talk to Oprah, Whoopi Goldberg, just anybody who asks. All right, Zuby, Zuby's easy. Yeah, Zuby would be great, wouldn't he? But uh, let me ask you this. Have I made my case that the black church technique uh, gives way to the black podcast, right? Po- podcasting is the way to go, I think. And I don't, I don't think any of them would say no to him because he's such a ratings bonanza. Like, who would say no if Trump offered to be on your podcast? <laughs> Nobody says no to that, right? It's just, I, I can't imagine it not working, honestly. Can't imagine that. All right, so and I'll say again that the, the, the part that you can't quite appreciate about this idea is how effective Trump is and how personal he is in person. Because in person, all the, the bombastic stuff is gone, and he's actually really interested in you. Like This is the part that nobody will believe, that I sat with Trump in the Oval Office, and did he talk about himself and his accomplishments? Of course. But he probably talked as much asking me about, you know, like my job and, and how Dilbert was going and, you know, what were my thoughts on things. That's the part you don't know about. <laughs> you don't know that when you're with him in person, uh, he treats you like you're the only person in the world. And when you feel that, when you feel the president of the United States or even ex-president running for president, if you feel him giving you his full attention, it's hard to say bad stuff about him when you leave the room. You know what I mean? It's really hard to have a bad feeling about him because he's totally likable. He's totally likable. The, the public persona is like all those rough parts, they're just not there in person. In person, he's just a really fun, interesting, unusually social guy. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, and since I identify as black, I could, you know, probably I wouldn't be in the first phase. Uh, Snoop ended up happy with him for pardoning, uh, was it, yeah, what was the rapper in Sweden or Norway or wherever it was, I forget. So I think that Trump has enough uh, credibility, uh, let's say with the rapper community, with Snoop Dogg, and I, I even think Chappelle, I think Dave Chappelle is having a hard time not supporting Trump. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he's tried to have it both ways, you know, by saying the negative about Trump, but 
everything that comes out of Chappelle's mouth, to me, sounds like if he could, he would just support him. It feels like it. That's just, and I don't want to put any thoughts in anybody's head. I'm not a mind reader. But just if you pick up the way he talks about him, his willingness to say that there's anything positive about him, or even supporting the fact that he lives among the, as he says, the poor whites, and so he, he gets why they, you know, they understand Trump. Yeah. Uh, he fell for the Russia collusion hoax. Yeah. Why does Sam Jackson hate Trump? I don't know, probably the reason a lot of people do, but if he had a podcast, it might be different. All right. Uh, Adam Silver, he answered you when he read my reply. <laughs> Somebody pretending to be... Uh, please be... Oh, Adam says, please be specific on a few Trump lies. Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> There's somebody here defending that Trump has never lied? Now, maybe... <laughs> just, just read Daniel Dale's fact check on uh, Trump's acceptance speech. I think Daniel Dale was right probably on all the fact checks. So it, it, if you're saying that... Uh, Trump never lies in his public stuff. I mean, even he would say he's using hyperbole. You know, you could call it what you want, but he's not even trying to hide it. Oh, your Coinbase also doesn't work. So this this morning, uh, I don't want to start a, a run on Coinbase, but I, I thought, hmm, if that FTX thing went down, maybe I should just see if I have anything left in Coinbase, which is a different exchange. So I go to log into Coinbase and, oh, log in. I'm using the old words, log in. Do you, does anybody still use that, sign in or log in? Do you use the old words for it? Now, you should be more modern and, and say you hacked into your account. Because these days, in the old days, you could put in your password and then your account would open. But today, it's more of a like robbing a bank or hacking, hacking a company. Because if I want to get into, uh, let's say, Coinbase, let, let me show you what's involved. So if I want to get into Coinbase, it sends me to a, a third-party app. Um, the third-party app um, doesn't exist. It used to. There's, there's an upgraded app that doesn't talk to the old one. So now uh, I can't hack the third-party app because the new one doesn't seem quite right for what I'm trying to do, but the old one seems not to exist on the App Store anymore, and it's giving me an error, like a, a technical error. So now what's my other way to get in? I don't know. There might be a way. But like I said, in the old days, you would just put in your password, and that would be called signing in or sometimes logging on. That was the old way. Today, you pretty much are put into an escape room. Like, okay, try to get out of the escape room, and if you do, we might give you access to your own data. But you're going to have to solve this puzzle first. That's what every fucking service I have is like now. Try to watch a television show. 
Well, your streaming service is not working with your Apple TV. Your, your, your Wi-Fi is down, and your remote isn't working. It's out of a battery. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. It's like Mission Impossible. Dun, 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 dun. I think if I assemble a team of experts, I could figure out how to hack in through the back door. So all day long, I'm just hacking into my own accounts. Hacking into my bank. I'm trying to, yeah, like almost 100% of my apps fail every day. I don't know about you. Um, oh, and also, in case anybody wants an update, I got a, uh, um, an air fryer. I, I decided to join the trend. Everybody's talking about air fryers. They're like, oh, I'm going to get one. So I got one. And let me tell you, efficiency-wise, this air fryer is the most efficient thing I've ever used. In the last three times I've used it, I've completely destroyed three entire meals faster than I've ever destroyed anything. Like, nothing has ever ruined food as efficiently as this thing. So... Um, most of my food goes from the refrigerator into the fryer and then directly into the garbage because it's overcooked usually. Um, sometimes it's cooked well, it doesn't taste good. Or I, I tried to cook salmon, and when I touched it with a fork, it just dissolved. Like, I don't think it's supposed to do that. But um, I did once create good food, but it was with, you know, uh, an assistant. <laughs> But 100% of the time, I've tried it myself. Uh, I guess I got some squash that tastes good once. That was about it. Yeah. It's great for leftovers. Uh, well, if you'd like to destroy food faster than you've ever done it before, it's a good way to do it. Now, apparently the problem is that the, the cooking times and its own guide, the guide that comes with the thing, are not even close. Like, the cooking times are not even close. They're something like twice as long as what will burn it to a crisp. So that's been my problem. I keep believing the manual. Like, well, it's very clear that it's this many minutes. I'll put it at the, I'll put it at the lowest end, and then it burns it to a crisp. How's the drumming going? Pretty well. Uh, yes, last night for the first time, I got the repeating beat for Come As You Are. Come as you are. It's a Dave Grohl. That mofo plays some complicated drums. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I knew how to drum because I could do all the easy stuff. And then I tried to do a Dave Grohl piece, you know, one of the great drummers of all time. And I'm like, wait a minute. How do you, how do you get this hand to work? It's, wait, it's like all different stuff. But I think I'm there. I think I got my separation working now. Uh, all right. Half the time and then turn. Yeah, I tried that. It doesn't work. Yeah, John Bonham, even harder. You are correct. I've been trying to do Bonham, and it's making me crazy. Um, this video will be taken down. Will it? Your daughter was backstage with Dave Grohl. Well, I hope that I hope that worked out. <laughs> Maybe your daughter didn't tell you the whole story there. 
not for sex. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, why would this video be taken down? I haven't said anything controversial today, have I? Uh, Portnoy? Mike Portnoy? Yeah, I saw you know, Dave Portnoy, not Mike. Um, oh, what, what is the Taylor Swift thing that's happening? Is there some kind of thing about her ticket prices are too high or something? Some kind of drama about that? Oh, Mike Portnoy is a, is a great drummer. I don't know him. Oh, because I said Trump. <laughs> uh, next book will be about a year from now. So it's, uh, I'm almost done with the first draft, but I won't be in time for the spring cycle. There's a spring release and a fall release, publishers usually do. So I'm going to slightly miss the spring release, which you know adds six months. But it'll be that much better. i got to admit, uh, as I look over it, so let me explain. It's a book of reframes, which are quick little sentences to just make you think of something differently. And I swear to God, it's turning out to be like a book of Harry Potter spells because some of them are just so powerful. But I guess you'll have to wait to see it. Um, audiobook will be around the same time as a regular book. Uh, I should produce these Trump hoax materials. It's just too much work. It's like a full-time job. Dana Carvey is a good drummer. All right, that's all for now. I don't think I have much uh, left to say. Uh, I am best qualified, you're right. That is true. But I don't know. I don't have that kind of time. But anyway, YouTube... I will talk to you later. And Spotify too.